collaborative uh, ability to not focus on this is all about me being you know super successful, but um, we're trying to get at a scientific question here that's bigger than all of us. Hello, and welcome to the Breathe Easy podcast, hosted by myself, Dominic Pepper. In this podcast, we ask an expert clinician, teacher, or researcher to share their insights about career opportunities in the fields of critical care, pulmonary medicine, or sleep medicine. And for today, we go to Seattle to discuss a career as an industry scientist. It's one where you work with other people and the group overall um, is, is, is what defines success. Well, before we get started, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, so my name's Tim Watkins. Um, I've been an ATS member for a long time now. Um, I think since I was a, a senior resident, um, maybe back in oh, 2001 or so. Um, and um, I am currently working at Gilead Sciences, where I've been about the last two years. Prior to that, I was at uh, the University of Washington in a, um, uh, as a, working as a clinician scientist there in clinical and translational research and uh, focused really in critical care, ARDS, and inflammatory disorders, uh, sepsis, and so on. Great. Um, could you tell me your story about how you became a director of clinical research in uh, respiratory inflammation therapeutics in Gilead Sciences? Uh, sure. Um, so the the path that sort of I uh, ended up on was one um, that was sort of a little bit of serendipity, I think, uh, in that um, when I was a uh, had a more junior role um, at the University of Washington, I was looking to get involved in in ATS committee um, membership, and. Um, this is uh i was i was placed on uh the quad d committee which was uh one that i was kind of surprised to be on because it is a an industry oriented committee but what i soon learned was that there was you know it was comprised of both industry members um and many of whom had uh very vast experience in industry as well as um sort of the senior leaders in the ATS and i think i was sort of put on there as a junior member um, to get acquainted with the ATS. Um, but this has been a committee that's been um, kind of a long-lasting committee for me. And it was through that committee that I, I um, actually started talking to industry scientists and learning a little bit more about what it was that they did. Um, and there are a number of uh, folks that I looked to for some mentorship. And I was at an ATS meeting, and one of those folks sort of came to me and said, you know, you should think about this as a career. You'd, you'd be good at this. Um, and then a couple of years later, uh, I began to really take kind of that um, that advice a little bit further and really dug deep with some folks who were on that committee and, and some who were not on that committee that were recommended to me um, in thinking about uh, a career in industry. And then um, sort of at the same time, um, uh, I had a, a colleague at Gilead Sciences who um, who uh, thought of me for a job position, and, and Gilead came to me, um, and really that's how I ended up at Gilead Sciences. Um, just hearing about you know what the job would entail was sounded appealing, and I was ready to do something a little different. 
Great. Um, most uh, residents or fellows in training don't get a lot of exposure um, to industry sciences. So could you tell us what your typical day is and how you balance your daily responsibilities? My day is typically one where um, I'm involved heavily in, in um, actually running at least um, two clinical trials that are across the that are worldwide and globally in, enrolling folks. Um, currently, right now, also developing a protocol for another clinical trial. So, reaching out with investigators, um, talking with other scientists, a uh, highly collaborative um, position that that I'm in right now. So. Um, I rely sometimes on people who know more about um, a particular area than 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 what I was trained in initially um, um, to uh, thinking about strategy and development and how we have things that are you know at the biology aspect of the pipeline, thinking about how do these work really um, in models of disease and whether those models accurately reflect the human condition, how do we Utilize the models efficiently to think about whether or not there's a role for something that's in the pipeline to address a particular disease state. Um, so it's busy days. Um, there are often, you know, there are things like any job that I think are pros and cons, um, but uh, by and large, I really like what I do. Um, and I enjoy sort of probably most the collaborative nature and working with people who have. Um, uh, specialties in a lot of different areas, um, and I also enjoy the speed at which things move. Um, so industry is very quick, uh, and thinks you know about you know the decisions can be very quick to either let's move ahead and let's go you know quickly and move ahead, um, or let's stop and refocus and move in a different direction. So what skills attributes do you think um, a fellow should look for uh, if they're thinking of pursuing your type of career? I think uh, um, there are some key things that I think are really make a career in industry one that you know will be successful, and one of those things is certainly uh, an ability to collaborate and work with others. Um, so that that is absolutely key in industry. Um, it's it's not a it's all about me sort of um, field. It's one where you work with other people and. The group overall um, is 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 what defines success, and and working together efficiently um, uh, is 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 a huge part of what um, makes a, a group successful. Um, even if the clinical trial doesn't give you the answer that you wanted to, um, but it gives the answer in a quick um, fashion, whether that be you know yes or no, this doesn't look like it's worthwhile to pursue. Um, that collaborative element goes a long way. Um, and along with those things, I think um, key um, sort of uh, uh, good interpersonal skills and ability to um, uh, work with others, uh, again, along those sort of collaborative arrangements that are present, um, both within the, the industry as well as with experts outside the industry is, is an important thing. Um, and good interpersonal skills and being able to manage people um, sometimes uh, externally with um, with with uh, you know um, different opinions or um, that than you may have um, is is a key element um, 
and then a good, bright, scientific mind. I think uh, inquisitive, um, scientific mind um, about how to really um, design clinical research efficiently, um, um, design it so that it answers a, a good question, um, and being able to put all that together, um, which is something that I I had um, early on, you know, as well. Um, and had been trained on quite extensively um, during my fellowship and then into my um, K-23 years and, and early faculty um, years at the University of Washington. Um, so all that science is used on a, on a daily basis. Um, and remaining inquisitive and being able to read outside of maybe even my area of expertise um, but still have that inquisitive sort of scientific mind and, and the experience that I had and um, putting efficient clinical trials together that could answer questions all sort of is in that background. And then being able to have, like I said, that collaborative uh, ability to not focus on this is all about me being, you know, super successful, but um, we're trying to get at a scientific question here that's bigger than all of us and trying to do it quickly and, and uh, efficiently and so that it answers a question. If um, you were looking for a mentor, if a fellow was looking for an industry mentor, uh, what characteristics would you uh, suggest? Um, so, I, you know, I think one of the things that I would suggest, um, and, and not just because we're on this ATS call, but mm. is to actually look within the ATS itself and, and get in touch with um, some of the members of the, the Quad D committee. Um, Ted Reese is um, the current uh, chairman of the Quad D committee, uh, Drug Development Dis Device Discovery Committee, committee at the ATS. Um, and uh, I'm the vice chair there, but there are a number of folks who sit on our committee that have a wealth of industry experience and have gone through um, the same sort of deliberation <laughs> uh, if you're considering that career um, at one time or another. Um, of course, you know, for me, uh, finding those people on the committee and then just simply asking them to tell me, uh, to, I ask them many of the questions that you're asking me. Um, what's a day in the life like? What kind of opportunities are me are for me in industry? Um, do you miss, what do you miss about being in academia as a scientist? Um, what what don't you miss? Um, what don't you not like about being in industry? Um, people I found that I approached on that committee and and elsewhere um, who were were referred to me from folks on that committee um, were more than happy to have those kinds of conversations with me and and I continually seek them out and and you know I'm still learning and um, and touching base with them about how my career unfolds and and where to go next. So I think. Starting with the ATS and, and, and looking for those um, people who have at least that, you know, you'll, you'll find that there's two kinds of people. I think um, you'll find that there are very seasoned people who've been in industry for a long time and can tell you about, you know, their story and how that all unfolded. Um, and you'll also find people maybe a bit more like myself who are a little bit more proximal to the decision making of, uh, you know, having left academia more recently and, and moved over to an industry career, and I think um, can offer that perspective as well. Um, so I'd seek out, you know, not just one mentor, or um, um, but I'd get the opinion of a, a variety of people. And then as you do that, you'll find out which people sort of really stick with you 
and that you enjoyed um, speaking with and you found that their advice to be helpful. And I, I mean, in just my experience, I found that people are more than willing to have those sorts of conversations. Um, in fact, I, I personally have enjoyed those kinds of conversations and have talked to a number of folks, um, some just on one occasion and others who, uh, you know, continue to come back and, and uh, you know, bounce ideas off me or uh, questions and, and just, you know, have a conversation. Um, you mentioned that you're involved in a number of uh, current research projects. Could you tell us about maybe one of them and how you believe it could impact uh, patient care? Sure, I think um um you know the the one thing about um, um probably some of the things that I've I've been involved in one of the earliest projects I've been involved in um highly respiratory related has been uh, addressing um respiratory viruses and a pen potential therapeutic for um RSV and RSV is a virus that um affects children, uh, probably best known for that, but then also, as, as many of our members know, also a, um, also is problematic for people with chronic lung disease, older adults, and, and people with, who are immunosuppressed, like patients who've had bone marrow transplants or, or, a lung, or a prior lung transplant. So one of the first trials that I picked up and helped design and, and get into clinic and, and moving has been a trial looking at an experimental um, antiviral called Prasadavir to treat um, lung transplant patients who become infected with RSV. So that's a, that is a, it's a big problem. Um, it, there's, you know, some debate, but that can lead to longer-term complications of lung transplant, like um, BOSS or, or CLAD, um, and uh, that's been an area that I've really focused on and tried to, to get moving. So we're approaching about 50% enrollment there. We're hoping to have some good results and and see where where this program goes. But certainly an antiviral would be, for RSV, would be um, a potential game changer in terms of just um, helping uh, certain individuals uh, get through uh, an infection, hopefully survive it, or um, speed that infection resolution along quicker, and um, potentially avoid substantial complications from from RSV infection, like bronchiolitis obliterans syndrome or or uh, chronic lung allograft dysfunction. And then my last question to you is. Um what do you believe the field um, of respiratory inflammation therapeutics will look like in the next 10 to 15 years? I'm hoping that, um, you know, two things really unfold. I think we're in the cusp of an era where we're really learning about some new anti-inflammatory targets. And so that may make it possible to address some, some respiratory diseases that we've not been able to address up until this time, you know, with with anything much more unique than um, steroids or things like that, um, and I also think that um, it may make us uh, able to address um, tweaking some of the inflammatory responses to some things in a fashion that's safer. Uh, I hope, anyway, so that we can think about what's the um, you know inflammatory response to infection or to um, ischemia reperfusion injuries and and um, so we can so we can address things like you know improving outcomes after sepsis or improving outcomes after um, ischemia reperfusion whether that be um, due to you know a transplanted lung or um, 
uh, or, or maybe major trauma or things like that. A big thank you to Dr. Tim Watkins for joining me. And thank you to all of you for listening to the Breathe Easy podcast. I'm Dominic Pepper for the American Thoracic Society.